Welcome to the Doxology Podcast. I am Lucas Stock. And I'm a werewolf. This is a podcast dedicated to journeying together on the road that is the Christian faith. Join us as we discuss and investigate theology and the Christian life, striving for unity amongst our diversity as members of Christ Church. Today is the first Friday of the second annual Spooky Heresy Month of October. <laughs> so normally we would be doing a Christians of History or now, which was not true a year ago, we would may also be doing Theology 101 or Creeds and Confessions, but we're doing Christians of History spooky version. So we're doing for the month of October to go with our uh, deep dive or medium dive into different heresies on Tuesdays. We're going to, on Fridays, be diving into the lives of the various heretics of history that are associated with um, whichever heresy we we were exploring on Tuesday. So if you missed it, the first episode of this uh, scary Halloween-y theme month of, of heresy was this last Tuesday, and we talked about Pelagianism. So today, we're going to dive a little bit more into Pelagius himself, um, and Jen's going to bring us a, a biography of Pelagius. I don't know what else to call him except his name. Yeah, I mean, we're going to break the ice a little bit differently. I, I had a thought that literally just occurred to me. Is... Uh, uh, how much of a heretic do you have to be what i'm trying to say is like are we going to see pelagius in glory or was he like to, to, to label somebody a heretic is that to label them as like not going to be in glory i i, I i'm, I'm, I think I'm this thinking is... of like I'm thinking of some of our maybe this is a completely different episode that we'll have this some needs other time. to be i don't okay. think this is icebreaker okay. level <laughs> so sorry i just i had the thought that like okay maybe there were some heretics we've talked about that certainly won't be because they're just like either created cults or other religions or something um but like plagius claimed to be a christian and was trying to teach christianity as we're going to come to see but some of it was a little bit wacky and thus labeled heresy so anyway that was Maybe just a totally sidebar, I apologize. But Pelagius, let's talk about him. Uh, he was born in the British Isles around AD 354. Uh, his contemporaries have said that he maybe was from um, of a Celtic British origin, while Jerome thought that he was Irish. Um, so regardless, he's from the West. Um, his name means something like sea or maybe sea born. So it, it would make sense if he was born in the Isles, um, somewhere near water, probably. Uh, but very little, very, very little is known about his early life. Again, if you were here on Tuesday, you heard us mention that, like, we have, like, no surviving works of his. Um, so anything that we're re reading and understanding about him is secondhand, whether it's from his contemporaries, uh, from his critics, from his friends, whatever. Um, but by all accounts, he was a rather large man, uh, both in height and in width. Uh, he was described as being quite tall, quite heavy set, um, and beyond his physical appearance, he was also highly, highly educated. Uh, he, he spoke and wrote Latin and Greek, um, and with great fluency, not just, you know, like a college Greek student or something. Um, he, he was well-versed, well-taught. Uh, well-versed in theology as well. Uh, I guess Pelagius became better known around 380. So, you know, right around the age of 30 when he moved to Rome. So from the British Isles, he moves to Rome. Um, and even though he wasn't a priest, 
he was a highly regarded spiritual director for clergy and laity. So, you know, he's not a priest, not a, you know, what maybe we would say not a pastor, um, but he would teach pastors and he would teach lay people. So I, I don't know if we want to like compare him to even like a professor or um, a, a theologian in residence in a modern context. I'm not exactly sure what to compare him to, uh, but uh, he spent his time originally as an ascetic focusing on practical asceticism. Um, and he was well known in Rome for his really harsh asceticism in his public life, but also the power and persuasiveness of his speech. So like he had a lot to say about like the wicked things that people were doing. Uh, a lot of things to say, even just about like the regular things that people were doing. Like you need to be really rigid, really structured um, in your asceticism and your spiritual life. Um, and so his reputation really did earn him praise early in his career even from the likes of Augustine himself. As I said, uh, Augustine referred to him early on as a saintly man. Isn't that what we all want to be, a saintly man or a saintly woman? Uh, well, Mr. Augustine himself referred to Pelagianism as a saintly man. Um, as we'll come to see, uh, maybe those words would not have come from Augustine's tongue later in life, but at least early, that's how he was described. Um, so as we, as we sort of highlighted in our Pelagianism episode, uh, again, not a lot is known. Uh, he was something of like a Pauline scholar, a uh, big ascetic. Um, and so like, how did he come to be this maybe arch heretic as I maybe labeled him in the, in the last episode? Um, is he misrepresented? Um, so P Pelagius became really concerned about the moral laxity of society in Rome. Um, others, I guess, he, he blamed this laxity on uh, the, the theology of divine grace preached by Augustine. Um, so, he, you know, Pelagius looks out, sees people, you know, especially Christians, but, you know, anybody um, living this morally lax life. And they think, well, it, it, what I'm trying to say is like that idea of like, should we continue to sin that grace may abound? Paul says, by no means. Uh, but in, in Pelagius's eyes, he looks out and sees people sinning because grace is abounding. So people are almost ignoring Paul's by no means bit. Um, and so he began to teach a very strict, rigid moralism, um, emphasizing a natural, innate human ability to attain salvation. As we said, basically, he, said, he, he believed that because uh, commands are given, you know, do this, be holy as I am holy, that like we have the ability and the capacity to do that. Um, and so it was after the fall of Rome to the Visigoth chieftain Alaric uh, in 410 that Pelagius and his associate Celestius went to Africa. And if you're, if you're familiar with where Augustine of Hippo resided, that would have been Africa. Um, and so there they encountered hostile criticism from Augustine himself, who actually published several letters denouncing um, their doctrines, basically, but particularly his insistence on humankind's basically good moral nature and on the individual responsibility for voluntarily choosing, you know, Christian asceticism for spiritual advancement. Um, but for, in, in Pelagius's eyes, grace consisted of the gift of free will, the law of Moses, and the teachings of Jesus. So grace has been given. Uh, we, have, we have a free will. We have Moses's Ten Commandments and the law. And we have Jesus's teaching. So with these, a person would be able to perceive the moral course of action and follow it. Uh, so prayer, fasting, asceticism um, supported the will to do good. So there's, there's 
uh, God, God has given us grace. He's given us these things uh, by praying, by fasting, by being really ascetic in our lifestyle. Uh, we can do good. We can, uh, you know, get our salvation. Um, and so Augustine accused Pelagius of thinking of God's grace as consisting of only external helps, as if only the outward things are what help change us and not inward changes, inward realities. Um, so Pelagius leaves Rome for Palestine about 412. And there, although accused of heresy at the Synod of Jerusalem in 415, um, he succeeded in clearing himself, basically. So he, he's, in, he's in the Holy Land, um, has been accused of heresy, but like clears his name. Um, and so in response to further attacks from Augustine and Jerome and others, Pelagius wrote uh, a work called On Free Will, um, which resulted in the condemnation of his teaching by two other councils later. Um, so again, that, that writing doesn't really survive until to into today, but it was condemned. And then in 417, Pope Innocent endorsed the condemnations and actually excommunicated Pelagius. So as he's living in Africa, as he's teaching and, and writing, um, he is excommunicated. He's, he's pushed out from, uh, from the church. Um, and, and interestingly, Innocent died shortly after this. Um, and so his successor, Zo uh, Zoismus, um, at first pronounced him innocent because Pelagius saw, okay, so Innocent died. Uh, here's my small window of opportunity. I'm going to appeal to um, the new Pope and try to like clear my name again. And so at first Zoismus was like, uh, he seems to be in innocent based on this brief statement of faith. So basically uh, Pelagius drafts this letter saying, this is my statement of belief and, and, and faith. But after a renewed investigation at the council of Carthage in 418, Zoismus confirmed basically the council's nine canons that were condemning Pelagius. So really messed up, really confusing from about 412 to 418. A lot is going on, a lot of back and forth, a lot of writing, uh, trying to decipher what Pelagius, it, who he is, what he's teaching, if it's biblical, why it's not biblical. Um, and so uh, really at the end of the day, Pelagianism was condemned. Again, I think we said that it wasn't actually pronounced heresy, but it was condemned at the council of Carthage in 418. Uh, I mean, Augustine was shocked that Pelagius was not at that time denounced as heretics. Um, but he, he called this council um, and basically stated nine beliefs of the church that, that Pelagianism um, denied. But um, the eight canons, which I don't believe we, we maybe brought up briefly, but I don't know that we actually read through the canons in the episode. So I'll just briefly uh, sort of list, list off what they are. So canon one is that Adam was not uh, created subject to death. Canon two, infants are to be baptized for the remission of sins. Canon three, grace not only gives remission of sins, but aids that we sin no more. Uh, canon four, grace gives knowledge, inspiration, and desire to perform required duty. Canon five, without grace of God, we can do no good thing. Uh, canon six, the statement, quote, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, end quote, uh, should not only be set out of humility, but because it is true. Uh, canon seven in the Lord's Prayer, the, the saints pray, quote, forgive us our trespasses, end quote, not only for others, but also for themselves. Um, and then the last one, the saints pray, forgive us our trespasses, not out of humility, uh, but because they have sinned. Um, so there's a whole bunch that could be said on each of those points, like what these canons are. Uh, but after these canons were, were released, this is when... Um, 
basically after, after this condemnation, after his excommunication, Pelagius was expelled from Jerusalem and St. Cyril of Alexandria, interestingly, allowed him to settle in Egypt. Um, and basically nothing more is known of Pelagius after this date. Um, so very little is known of his early life. Very little is known on what happened after his excommunication. Um, but as we said in the episode on Tuesday, Pelagius and his associate Celestius, um, they were declared heretics at the first council of Ephesus in 431. Um, if he was still living, we're not sure. He might have died shortly after his excommunication. Um, but just like a, a really interesting person in church history, um, as I sort of tried to bring up at the, at the very beginning, you know, to what extent does a heretic, um, you know, even if he's been excommunicated, does, what, what does that mean eternally? Uh, I think we've just come up with another episode topic, maybe for early November, Lucas, but um, yeah, I don't know. That, that's, that's the life of Pelagius as, as told by history. Uh, really fascinating to learn about him, some of his teachings, why why he's you know viewed as so problematic by many people. Um, but I think the last thing I'll say is, as we noted, just because Pelagius taught something, um, his body of like the thing that came that the 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 system that bears his name after his life can be different from what he taught in his earthly life, right? Um, similar to Calvinism. Um, John Calvin taught a very, you know, he, he taught what he taught, and then his his followers and the people after him sort of took the, the core of his teachings and then took it even further. So I don't know, just bear that in mind when you think about Pelagianism, when you specifically think about Pelagius himself too. So I don't know, that's 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 his life in a nutshell. All right, thank you as always, and thank you. Also, as always, for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Doxology Podcast. If you'd like to connect with us, we are on Twitter and Instagram at Doxology Podcast. You can also send us an email at doxologypodcast at gmail.com. We'd love to hear feedback, questions, future episode ideas. Um, you can also check out in the uh, uh, social media account bios, uh, we have links for t-shirts if you want to support the show and be go above and beyond. Once again, shout out to Richie Rust uh, for spookifying the intro and outro music that we have. And uh, I think that's about it. So until next time, we'll see you. Spooky peace.